Father, we thank you that right now you are opening our understanding. You're increasing our capacity to understand your word, to understand the mysteries of your glory. Father, I thank you for every person that is sitting here right now. And I acknowledge every person that is listening to the sound of my voice. That you are as much in this room as every person is in this room. That the presence of God is traveling through the sound of my voice. It's going into your mind, into your heart, into your cells. He's infiltrating, he's penetrating into you right now. And he's releasing a refreshing and a renewing of energy. The energy of Elohim. The finished work of the cross. The resurrection power of Jesus. Right now into you. Father we receive it by faith and we thank you. That you have given this church a capacity. A large capacity for your word. And so today God we honor your word. We honor your presence in this room. And we thank you for your glory that is increasing. The ever increasing glory. That is transforming us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Today I'm gonna, uh, we're going to continue on the series uh, of, uh, called Gifted. And uh, this is the fifth message on the series. And if you're new to our, our family, I would love for you to go back um, on SoundCloud and, uh, and listen to this series. Because what I'm about to teach you today uh, will make sense a lot more when you listen to it on SoundCloud, okay? But what's the name of the series? Okay, this side is really good. We have to work with this side now. What's the name of the series? Right. So Romans, how many of you love the word? Some are not sure. Some are like, maybe. How many of you love the word of God? Awesome. So Romans chapter 8, don't go there now. Romans chapter 8 in verse 19 says, All of creation eagerly awaits the manifestation or the revelation of the sons of God. Okay, I've taught on this verse a lot. uh, And I really do believe that God has called each and every person in this church to be a manifest son. A son who manifests more of God than of himself or herself or the devil. One person believes. I, I totally agree with you. Thank you, brother. Do you believe that? That God has called you and he's given you an opportunity to manifest on the earth more of God through your life than of your old self or even of the devil. Because something has to possess you in order for, you, for that to happen. So if you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, then you are possessed with the spirit of the Son of God. I think some of us have had such 
bad impressions with the word possessed. <laughs> that we kind of freak out. What is he talking about? Possessed. We are all possessed. You have a pastor who is possessed. With the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. And I'm, I'm believing that you are also possessed. With the Holy Spirit. If there's any other spirit. Other than the Holy Spirit. That spirit has to go and make room for the Holy Spirit. So this series really is about, about the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, His abilities, and His function in and through our lives. Very important series because, you know, a lot of the times churches have rejected a move of the Holy Spirit and they go from being very exciting to being very entertaining. And they have no experience of the Holy Spirit. And people, God brings people to churches because he wants them to experience the Holy Spirit. Because it is his spirit on the earth. Amen? Amen? So the title of my message today is The Spirit of the Son. So I'm going to be speaking mainly on identity and sonship. Okay, so I'm going to redefine your identity as a son. Some of the ladies are like, okay, this is only for the guys. No, please listen to me. We are being all being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, who is the son. So ladies, welcome to our club. Welcome to our side. Yeah. yeah. Amen. We're all, all being made in. So every time you see somebody now in our church, they're a son. These people who are sitting in the front who came up on stage have been faithful sons of the house. And God has brought them into a place now where he's giving them a mantle in his kingdom. You must understand what is happening. It's very significant. God will not share his kingdom with slaves. He won't share his kingdom with servants. He only gives it to sons. So for us, in this house, sonship is a very big deal. Everybody is being transformed into the image and likeness of the son. His name is Jesus Christ. And all of us will carry his abilities and, and function as Jesus functions on the earth because of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'm going to speak. I, I spoke on, uh, on Romans chapter 8 and verse 19, but I want us to go back to Romans chapter 11 and we'll make our way to Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. Okay, so Romans chapter 8 and we'll read from verse 11. Romans chapter 8. Verse 11. Are you there? Yes. Right. But if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if you have a Bible, just put a circle around that word dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life 
to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Say dwells in you. Now go to verse 14. For as many as are led by the spirit, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. I want you to highlight over there, led by the Spirit. Now you can look up at me. <clears throat> In John chapter 20, 20 and verse 23, we see Jesus, um, post the resurrection, he visits the disciples for the first time. He he. He meets Mary and then he comes and appears in the room and the disciples are waiting in the room. And he comes to them and he says, peace be unto you. And, he, and the Bible is so beautiful where he says he, he breathes in deeply and he breathes out the Holy Spirit. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And I truly believe that the church of Jesus Christ did not start at Pentecost. The church of Jesus Christ started when Jesus met the disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not come at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit manifested at Pentecost. Come on now. So when these disciples were standing with Jesus, they were like, what are you talking about? Receive the Holy Spirit. And the word receive over there in Greek, it actually means to lay a hold of. Take, capture the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says, okay, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. And then he says this. Whomever you forgive, they will be forgiven. Very important. He says, whoever you forgive, they will be forgiven. He's not saying, if you pray for forgiveness, they will be forgiven. And then he says, if you retain forgiveness from them, it will be retained from them. Powerful. Very, very powerful. Now you must understand that Jesus was talking to the disciples. But in that very moment where Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, there was a quickening, there was a transformation that turned a disciple into a son. See, because a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus did not do an altar call and says, disciples, do you receive me as your Lord and Savior? And all the disciples in the boat said, amen. No, it did not happen. So the disciples were not born again, were not filled with the Spirit, because the Spirit was only in Jesus. So when, he, when Jesus was walking around, now the crippled man who came through the, through the rooftop, Jesus said, I forgive you of your sins, and he got healed. Oh, come on now. Why? Because the Spirit was up in Jesus. So to the disciples, he's saying, Whomever you forgive, they will be forgiven. What happened in that moment is they went from being a disciple who was not filled with the Spirit to being a son who was filled with the Spirit of the Son of God. It's very important that you understand 
this, that if you are a sinner, you cannot forgive anyone's sin. That word forgive in, in the book of John is actually the word remit, or it means to uh, a remission of sins, which means when, when you remit someone's sins, it means that if they were a sinner, their sins are no longer holding, being held against them. Why would he say if you, to the disciples, if you forgive someone's sins, if you remit someone's sins, there will be complete remission? Who has the power to forgive sins? Very important that you understand your identity today. Who has the power to forgive sins? Come on now. Who has the power to forgive sins? Let me ask you another question. Who came on the earth, walked on the earth and forgave people their sins? So, who has the power to forgive sins. So it's the son of God. The only begotten son. Who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Who could forgive sins. Jesus in, in the, uh, when he was being baptized. He came out of the wilderness. Uh, he came out of the water. And it, John testifies. Saying I saw. The spirit. It's the first man recorded in history to ever see the Holy Spirit. I saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus and remained on him. Only then the father spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Which means God is well pleased with sonship. He's not pleased by disciples and the church has made it about discipleship and although it is really good, you're making only disciples into your image and likeness and not into the image and likeness of Jesus. But when you come into understanding sonship, then you will, you will, you will disciple them into the son. I'm not against discipleship. I'm just a, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like with the church has matured from making people to look like me to make people look like Jesus. It is then, it is only then that we learn to celebrate differences in expression of how God expresses himself to people. See, otherwise a lot of times, you know, a father will lead a church and then the son does exactly the same thing. And the people want the son to do exactly the same thing. If not, then the Holy Ghost is not on that. And so now one move of God will persecute the next move of God in the same church. Oh, I'm speaking to families now. Oh, my son has to become a doctor. Why? Because I'm a doctor. And my father was a doctor. But the son wants to become a pilot. Somebody's becoming a pilot in this room. <laughs> a pilot that will not crash a plane. You are safe. Now the reason why I'm saying it is because you're afraid. I picked out that you're afraid of crashing. That's why you're not pursuing it properly. Relax. Don't worry. God's got control of the clouds. 
So we see here that when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's saying, in this moment when you receive the Holy Spirit, you've received the Spirit of the Son, the only begotten of the Father. There's a difference between a disciple and a son. A disciple will only become like his teacher. But a son becomes like his father. The question is, do you know who your father is? When you're a disciple, you're still natural. Jesus, when he came out of the water, before he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, he was still a carpenter's son. But something shifted when the Holy Spirit came upon him. The reason why I'm saying this today and the reason why I'm taking my time with it is because I want to establish your, and redefine your identity. A lot of us find our identities in, in who our parents are. Our qualification, I am an MBA. <laughs> How much money we have in our bank account, what our position is, what our title is. And all of these natural things can define your identity if you ask it to. I'm, I'm not a pastor, it's what I do. I'm a son. You're not a doctor. You're a son. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Who? 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the? So there are two aspects that I want to point out to you before we go any further. The first thing is that the spirit dwells. The spirit doesn't visit. The spirit dwells. There's an indwelling spirit. Now you must understand if God wanted, if God wanted, he could have chosen any building. Burj Khalifa, Burj Al Arab, the most prized possession in this city. He could have chose to stay in the penthouse right on the top. The best view of the earth where he could deal with all the matters of the world. He could have done that. But he chose to dwell in you and me. So which means dwelling means God took up residence. Not visitation. Residence in you and I. Which means if... Heaven wants to find out, or hell wants to find out where God is on the earth. Guess where they have to come? They have to come to you. Why do you think angels follow you? Why do you think demons want to take you out? It's because God decided to take residence. In dust. Something that, can, that is so, it can, it can become dust at any minute. 
he decided to stay in it and protect it. Safeguard it. Defend it. The Lord told me this. He said, John, you're my Uber. I said, Lord, thank you so much for that title. But he said, Lord, but he said, son, you must understand what I'm saying. I travel in you. I can touch people because you reach people. He says, you're my Uber. You take me everywhere. He says, whether you know it or not, I'm actually there. But it's the spirit of the son that resides in you and me. You must understand who you are. You're not a disciple. You're not a slave. You're a son. You're a son. You're a son. The second aspect is that the spirit leads us. You know, in the, book of, in the book of Acts chapter 16, we see, you know, a lot of times we point out to Jesus being led in the wilderness and, you know, you know he had to go through his temptation and all that kind of stuff. But I want to talk about Acts chapter 16 because Paul and Silas were, were going about, they were Ubering the Holy Spirit all over Galatia. And, and when they, they finished with, with a certain place, they were supposed to go to Galatia and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit forbid them. It's, a, it's leading. If he stops you from going somewhere, he's leading you. And then they wanted to go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit forbid them. And they waited until Paul had a vision. And when Paul had a vision, he saw a man from Macedonia come to him and, says, and said, Please, can you come and help us in Macedonia? Paul recognized that the Holy Spirit was speaking to him in a vision. And he was leading him to Macedonia and decided now to move to Macedonia and there they got one of the most important people in the book of Acts, a lady called Lydia, saved. She was a key person in the book of Acts. But if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit leading, Paul would have been in another place doing something else and the Holy Spirit wanted him to go to Macedonia. So the Holy Spirit constantly leads you He's, you wake up in the morning and he's looking to lead you. He is the leader of all leaders. If you don't know how to submit to the Holy Spirit, he won't lead you. You have a leader on the inside of you that is the power of God that will demonstrate miracle signs and wonders everywhere you go, but it requires submission to the Holy Spirit. But it's the Spirit of the Son. So the Holy Spirit will lead you with, with, two, with, with the dual purpose. The first thing is to develop you into the Son. The Holy Spirit is constantly looking to make you into Jesus. Constantly. He's making you. Today who we know Maria to be is more Christ-like than when she walked into the room the first day. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. She's become a pastor four years into this church. She wasn't a pastor when she walked into this church. Oh my God, far from it. But Maria, even though she did not understand what was happening in this church, I, she's completely secular. You must understand, no church background. 
In four years for God to call her to become a pastor over, over the creative ministry in this church is a work of the Holy Spirit. Amazing, man. Amazing. So proud of you. Well done. But the first thing he does is he wants to develop you into the, Holy, into, into the Son. And the second thing is he wants to use you as the Son. And a lot of times Christians don't like this part. They want God to use them only according to their understanding. Lord, in the safe boundaries of the church, use me, Lord. Use me to heal the sick in church, God. Not my colleague who's sniffing and snorting in his tissue next to me. Not that person who's on a wheelchair in, in, in the mall. See, Jesus was constantly fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. He was one with the Holy Spirit. So when the power left him to heal the woman, he just knew, hey, where are you going? Who touched me? Who took this spirit? Oh, come on now. He just knew instantly. The Holy Spirit moved out. He was so sensitive to the spirit. See, God, the reason why God is redefining our identity is because he's, he's making us, he's made us one with the Holy Spirit. But for too often, we spend too much time fellowshipping with the world and not with the Holy Spirit. And God is inviting us into a relationship where you are so one with the Holy Spirit that when the power surge begins to surge you, it begins to move you, you know where to go. You're not going to the pastor, 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 I had a dream of a man from Macedonia. Should I marry him or not? <laughs> he was saying, come to me. I get these requests. <laughs> See, the issue is because you lack relationship with the Holy Spirit, you don't know what he's saying. And sonship is being so... One with the Holy Spirit that when he begins to move, you don't resist the move of the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't hurt him because you are, you're so sensitive to him that whatever he wants, you do. I think I'm speaking to the right church. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants, you do. Let me, let me make it a little... Um, Difficult for you. You know when the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart to give away your money? Yeah. This is where like, people are like, oh, okay, now I lost him. That's it. He said the M word. Give it away. Please. Because you are withholding the blessing that is on your way. The blessing... You must understand that when you give something away, well, I'm just using money because I know religion tends to get ruffled when I talk about money. When you give money away, you make room for more. So be wise when the Holy Spirit is leading you. Do you understand? Now, in the same way, God has put power on the inside of you. If you want to grow from glory to glory, strength to strength, you have to use your strength. You have to give it away. You have to serve. 
If you don't serve, how will you receive more power? You know, when, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted in the world, tested in the wilderness, do you know that it wasn't about whether Jesus passed the test or not? It wasn't about passing the test. The devil wanted to know if he was the son. And a lot of times Christians make it about the test and not the identity of sonship. Because when you make it about the test, you end up performing for something there is a grace for. You have a grace to be a son. And as a son, you have certain rights. And Jesus, even though he had those rights, did not listen to that spirit. Oh, come on. He says, if, if you're the son of God, turn those stones to bread. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Just walked away. He did not even address the problem, did not even address anything. He just did not even, he could have made the stones into bread, man, and he can make bread into stones. He can call down angels from heaven, but he gave himself. He had a purpose. The purpose was to lay down his life. If Satan and the Jews knew who he was, they would not have sacrificed him. They would not have crucified Jesus on the cross. If they knew who he was and they did not sacrifice him or crucify him on the cross, all of us wouldn't be sitting in the room. All of us would not have been in the kingdom of God. So Jesus was thinking of you when the enemy was testing him to reveal himself as the son. And most times, every circumstance and situation in your life that you're going through, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me very carefully. It's not about whether you pass the test or not. It's about whether you know that you're a son of God. Whether you know the circumstance will come your way to test whether you're the son. And if you are the son, you'll have authority over it. Come on. If you're the son, if you're a son of God, you will have authority over every circumstance, over every situation. Let me tell you something. The role that Jesus played in the wilderness is not your problem anymore. You don't have to hide. I'm, you know, don't tell anybody I'm the son of God. In fact, Jesus says, go and tell everybody. Because I want as many sons to come into the kingdom as possible. Sonship, man. The kingdom is about a father and a son. The kingdom is about a father and a son. The only begotten son. God took his spirit and gave them to each one that is sitting in this room. Each one that is sitting in this room carries the Holy Spirit. You must think if they did, if because of what Jesus did on the cross, now the Holy Spirit can be given to every single one who believes. But these circumstances come. Death comes. Death comes your way. 
Sickness comes your way. Persecution comes your way. Storms come your way. Only to check whether you believe you're the son. If you don't believe you're the son, it will have power over you. So transformation comes by the renewing of your mind. So if I'm, my mind is renewed every day I wake up in the morning, I'm going, I am the son of God. Every circumstance has to bow down at the name of Jesus. The G spirit of same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and gives life to my mortal bodies. I'm not going to sit down and look at this storm. I'm going to take power and authority over this storm. And tell every storm, every mountain to be cast into the sea. We can't sit and watch the world go by. This church is different. Every other church, it's okay for them. It's okay. But this church, we're different. If you're part of this house, your identity is son. Sonship first. Then function later. Because God will not give his authority, his power to a slave. If you're a slave of sin, you will experience a lack of power in your life. You can have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And you can experience sin issues and habit issues. And it will only make you powerless. Because it takes your mind. You're a slave of sin. But if you understand that he's not giving you a spirit to fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. But your submission to the Holy Spirit is very, very important for you to live the victorious life that God has planned for you. So I want to talk about three benefits or three rights that you have as a son. These are only three, okay? There are many. I can keep going on, but I want to give you three for now. Are you still in Romans chapter 8? Let's read verse 15. For you did not receive, I love how Paul writes it. He's like, I'm super confident these guys have already got him. Right? He says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Well, if you have fear issues in your life, you're in bondage. But you received the spirit of adoption. Oh, come on now. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So the first right you have as a son is to call your heavenly father, to call God as your father. Abba, Father. Beloved Father. Dearly beloved Father. We say dearly beloved only when we come to church or when we talk to our wives at the wedding. You know, it's like dearly beloved. The pastor starts off the sermon by saying dearly beloved. We gather here. But no, no, no. Each and every person that has the spirit of the son can directly call God Abba Father. A lot of religion, religious people would have a problem with this because you are still in bondage to fear. You feel, not you, but I'm talking to religion. You feel that I can't, I can't, I can't. He's too, he's too majestic. He's too great. He's too big. He's too powerful. I'm just, uh, I'm nothing. 
No, you're not nothing. You're a son. This God is so mighty, but I'm such a sinner. My sin, if I stand before God, I'll go, man. It'll be finished in a second. But you must understand that your sin, please listen to me now. This is where the grace doctrine will really be imparted into you. Your sin was taken on the cross 2,000 years ago. You don't have a sin problem. You don't have a sin problem. Jesus took it on the cross 2,000 years ago. In the same way, he took sickness on the cross 2,000 years ago. He paid for your sin. Forgiveness is given to those, or, or remission of sins are given to those who are sinners. Forgiveness is given to sons. How many of you love the word? Yeah. Yeah. Remission of sins is given to those who are sinners. Because once sins are remitted, it's washed by the blood of Jesus. They no longer exist. God chooses not to look at your past. He doesn't look at you as a sinner. He looks at you as a son. A lot of times we've said, he doesn't look at you as a sinner. He looks at you as a saint. But not, not yet. Firstly, son. Do you understand? It doesn't matter what your position, what your, what your career, it doesn't matter where, which part of the family tree you are. You're a son. And so for sons who make mistakes, there is forgiveness. Example, prodigal son. God, he said, yeah, my mind is not renewed. I'm just paraphrasing. His mind wasn't renewed. So he said, God, give me. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life. Like some of the teenagers, it's my life. I want to do whatever I want to do. You know, give me, give me my money. I want to give my pocket, give, not give me my inheritance. They say, give me my pocket money. I want to enjoy my life. You useless fellows. <laughs> and so, asking for pocket money, saying it's my life. I did it, man. I know what I'm talking about. And so you look at, you, you look at the prodigal son. He... He said, Father, give me my money. Give me my inheritance. Father wasn't dead. So he couldn't give him his inheritance, but he gave him a portion of it. So the, a, a, a son who, who has an issue, a mindset that is not renewed, will take a blessing and will squander it. But even though he squanders it, he comes back to the father. The father still restores him. He doesn't, he forgives him. He doesn't say your sins are remitted. He forgives him. He says, hold on, come here, come here, come here. Just give. Servants. He doesn't even take the ring and the robe. He says, servants, come, give him a ring and a robe. You know how important it is for people to serve in the kingdom? Come on now. It's very important for you to serve in the kingdom. Because why? Because you're clothing a prodigal that's just walked into the room. Oh, you must understand. You think you're just fixing wires, but you're clothing. You're putting a ring and a robe on a, on a prodigal that has just come back home. 
You think you're just leading worship. No, man, you're not just leading worship. You're clothing them with garments of praise. Oh, come on. Serving in, a, in, a, in the body is vital for restoration. Restoration to sonship. Sonship is huge in the kingdom of God. So we have a right to call God as our heavenly father, Abba Father. I want to read this to you in the Passion Translation. And it says this, And you did not receive this spirit of religious duty. Oh dear. Oh, if you're coming to church out of religious duty, there's a spirit of fear that is tormenting you. And I want you to know that that's not the spirit of God. God has given you a spirit of sound mind. And you did not receive the, the spirit of religious duty leading you back into, into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. Come on. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Every time Jesus communicated to the father, he communicated out of his identity. It was the identity of sonship. It was the spirit of the son in Jesus that was communicating to the father. Let me tell you how it works. The spirit of God gets on the inside of you and he joins, he gently raises your spirit to believe and communicate to God the way Jesus communicates to God. That's powerful. Very powerful. When you understand sonship, the spirit of the son has, already has a direct line with the father. He talks directly with, him, with his father. And every time he talks now, when he was not in you, they could talk easily. Now he's come into you and you don't even know that he is communicating with the father. But the spirit, Holy Spirit, he joins with your spirit and together... Oh, come on. Together, it says, beloved father. Why wouldn't God the father answer your prayers if the spirit of God is praying them with you? How many of you believe that you are filled with the spirit? The spirit of the son. Every prayer that you pray. If it's led by the Spirit, if, it's, if the Spirit has infused your spirit to communicate with God, it will always start with Abba, Father. When Jesus was teaching his disciples, he did not say, hey, God. He did not say, well, go to your pastor and pray. Get your pastor to pray for you. He did not say, go to the coaches, go to the leadership. He didn't say, go to a guru. He didn't say, go to some new age freak. He says, you have the right to talk directly with Heavenly Father. But see, the, 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 the beauty in communicating with the Spirit is that there's a tenderness in his communication with the Father. 
He says, beloved father. Beloved father. Which means the, 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 the way he feels about the father on the inside is that he's most loved. See, a lot of times we're pretty cool with Jesus. We're freaked out by the Holy Spirit. Have no clue who the father is. And we think he's angry. And we think he wants to punish us because he's sitting there with a book and he's recording every thought that is negative. It's a punishment. But if you have the spirit of the son on the inside of you, there's a tenderness in your communication. There's a, there's a, there's a love language that really communicates directly with the father. No, no need of any saints, no angels, no pastor, no preacher, no teacher, nothing, nobody, no life coach, no one. No one has the right to get to interfere with that communication. Direct access. Come on, man. Direct access. I'm prophesying it over you. To, that, that your mind will be open to have direct access to the Father. No hindrances. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Your Father is pleased with you. Even before Jesus could do anything, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Which means before Jesus became Jesus and did all the powerful miracles, signs, wonders, God was already pleased with him. So before you allow the Holy Spirit to do great things out of your life, you should know that the Father is already pleased with you. He's already happy. He's, he's sitting over there and he's excited. The fact that you are going to do awesome things, he's not looking for you to perform. But he knows that because of his good pleasure and your communication with the Holy Spirit, now you'll be able to do awesome things for the kingdom of God. So the first thing is that you, it's your right to call God as Abba Father. The second thing is that you have the right to be called a beloved son. Come on. You have the right to be called beloved son. Verse 16. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness... With our spirit, that we are the children of God. Just stop there now. This is very interesting. In the family, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Emmanuel. I know Emmanuel, God with us, but you know what I mean. Emmanuel. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit is in Ricardo. We must understand that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is confirming to you that you're a son. This is why I know a lot of the times people act like orphans even though they have the spirit of the son living on the inside of them. When you have the spirit of the son inside of you, you are super secure. In your identity as a son. You don't work too hard. You're, you have this thing called self-esteem. It's not pride. Self-esteem. I esteem my sonship greater than anything else. 
When people, when circumstances come to challenge that, that sonship, your self-esteem will take care of you. Let's say if I remove everything in your life, if I remove your children, if I remove your money, remove titles, positions, powers, cars, houses, everything, and if you're standing by yourself alone, nothing, no friends, nothing, who are you? See, a lot of people won't answer because everything around you has defined you. I'm a dad. I'm a mom. I'm a boss. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a teacher, evangelist, pastor, prophet. Here, take my card. But if I were to take everything away, would you still be content in your sonship? Because that's where your confidence really comes from, right? That's where your courage really comes from. It's, it's the fact that your identity as a son of God gives you certain rights. The devil cannot touch me because I have rights, man. The enemy cannot touch my church because we have rights as the body of Christ. But if you don't know your identity, you won't have self-esteem. You won't have self-worth. And I'm not talking about... Okay, please understand me. When I, when people have taught you the wrong way. You must have self-worth. Why? Because God find, found you worthy. He found you worthy enough to die on a cross for you. If you don't honor that, you really don't have honor for yourself. Your self-esteem is not in place. It's very important for you to understand. God, if I lose everything and everyone... I know I'll never lose sonship. And that's really what identity is all about. Your identity that gives you the confidence to stand, man. You know, we, we grew up uh, studying uh, the British, um, what's it called? The rule over, over Indians. You know, I grew up studying that. And, and even though I've never experienced it directly from, from them, you know, we, we, it's in the DNA. Whether you're from the subcontinent or from Africa or whatever. And there's no, we're not saying that, it's just life, man. It's just life. But see, we're generations later, but we still have that, that thing in, in, we used to have that thing in our heart that, no, 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 no. If you're from Pakistan, we're different. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, you, you're, you're different color than me, we're different. And we, we had this thing, like, you know, okay, if, you are, if, if you're from the UK and you speak fluently in English, I feel insignificant. You know, when the Lord restored my identity as a son, whether I stand in front of a laborer or a king, equal. Let me tell you, I've had people, Indian, or not Indian, but I've had people from other nationalities who have come to me and given, wanted to give me millions for the church. Millions as in, not millions of people, millions of dirhams for the church and for the kingdom of God, you know. But you have to use it like this. I'm like, take your millions and go. You don't lead this church. The Holy Spirit does. 
See, if you're not confident as a son, you, every time the wind moves, you will move. It's very, very important for us to understand that our identity needs you. This is your right as a son. Your right as a son of God is that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you confirms when you wake up in the morning, I'm a son. I'm a son of God. I have authority in heaven and I have authority on the earth. If I bind anything on earth, it's bound in heaven. Wow. If I lose anything on earth, it's loosed in heaven. Wow. Phenomenal. Something shifted from heaven to earth. Sonship. Sonship shifted everything from heaven to earth. Previously, it would be your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, but now the kingdom has come. And when the kingdom has come, what's the kingdom full of? Sons. And you step into your sonship, now whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Oh, whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Whomever you forgive. Oh, come on. Do you understand? You are more powerful then you really consider yourself. It, the reason why Christians are powerless is because their identity as sons have not been defined. You do what I tell you to do. That's what we've been taught. Especially in church. And I've grown up in the church. My parents are pastors. And I've grown up with this, with this ah, I don't like this. Because I'm so secure. I, f- I felt secure in my identity. And I was considered a rebel because of that. Because I I felt like God wanted to express himself through my life. I understand submission. And I understand that, that God allows you to serve people so that you can learn certain things. And you can be discipled into Christ when you are around people. But let me tell you something. There is an expression that is unique only to you. That the son wants to express himself through you. And if you allow that thing to die out, I'm telling you your dreams will die out. I'm telling you your future will die out. I want to encourage everybody in this room. Dream your greatest dream. Your future can be made because you have allowed yourself to dream. Many people have robbed you. Circumstances have robbed you from declaring your future. But I want to tell you something. If you can forgive somebody of their sins, you can, you can remit their sins, you can also create your future. Come on. I want to encourage you. Create your future. Dream your greatest dream. We have a God who's a God of the impossible. Do you think that he looks at your dream and goes, Oh, well, John, you know, your dream... It's too big for me to handle right now. Give me some time. No, I want to tell you that your dream is his dream that he put in your heart. And your faith and not losing out on that dream will cause God to create a future through the world that is so impactful that it will change people's lives. We sit down because of our identity, because of life experiences, and we've lost the ability to hope for a better day. We've got to hope. You gotta live. If you don't have a dream, you won't have hope. And God is saying, think about your future. Don't just think about money. Don't just think about career. Don't just think about your savings. Think about changing the world. What choices can you make today that will change the world, man? Why should God give you the millions if you don't have a dream worth thousands? 
it all comes, the root of it is identity. Because you're, you don't believe you're a son, you don't take responsibility in the house. Because you're a son, you don't just look at, oh, you know, mom and dad. You know, I loved when I went to uh, Danny's house, you know, Daniel, Daniel's house and with his mom and dad. And we had dinner with the family and, and their sister came from Australia. And, you know, I, I love watching, watching people is what I do. I love, I love families, and, and they have a phenomenal family. And while I was sitting there, and we were, the, the daughter who's come from Australia, pretty jet-lagged, had a tooth issue, like, you know, she was having some tooth issues. Nobody asked her, but she knew her place at the table. That's, that's number one. The son knew his place at the table. The father did not have to say, okay, you sit over there, you sit over there. Everybody knew their place at the table. Do you know your place in this church? And then when dinner was done, the daughter got up and she started doing the dishes. Nobody had to ask her. She knew, it's not like, oh, okay, no, no, you, you, know, you need to serve, uh, you, know, you need to be a servant. No, that, doing the dishes and not being a servant, it's changing somebody's, two people who have come to your house. You're serving them and you're restoring them. Do you understand? It, it's, the way you look at it, if you're a son, you will fully understand what God is doing in that moment. And she just got up and she said, okay, let me just do the dishes. Do you remember that? And she's, she's bending down and she's putting the dishes in the dishwasher and she's absolutely happy. See, she knows her place. There's a need in the family and she met it. She didn't need her mom to stand up and say, do the dishes. Because there's a need in the family. No, a son recognizes the need in the family. A son knows, hey, there's lights going off, on and off. What, what is this about? A son doesn't wait for the pastor to decide how to fix this stuff that is happening. Oh, we're having sound issues. How does the son fix it? You have to think. You have to think. You can't, you have to learn that this is your family. This is a family. We're all here as a family. And we have to take responsibility for the house. It's not just, the, oh, now we have a leadership team. Now it's Sam's responsibility for the coaches. Finish now. The coaches don't do anything. <laughs> Sam's job. Pastor doesn't do anything. Sam's job. Sam's job. That has nothing to do with that. Everybody serves. Everybody takes responsibility for the house. Why? It's because we're interested in clothing every single person that comes into this house. You must understand that if your identity is not secure as a son, you would treat other people like orphans. You will treat people around you like they are orphans. I remember... Um, I was, uh, had a meeting with Heidi Baker in Dubai and uh, we were having lunch with her and we, she has uh, homes you know, of, of hundreds and thousands of kids and, um, and she looks after these kids and, and takes care of them and all that stuff and you know me being me I asked them how many orphans do you have? She said, they're my sons. I said, no, no, no. You know, I... <laughs> sometimes it's a bit... Sometimes I'm a, I process a little slowly, then 
than I need to. And, uh, and so I said, no, 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 but you have, I heard you have more than 5,000 orphans. And she said, all of them are my sons. I said, no. Then, I, then my wife looked at me. <laughs> I've asked the same question twice now. As, uh, there's a problem brewing here and a problem brewing later. <laughs> and, uh, and she's so sweet. She never said, you know, you've got a revelation wrong. She said, they're not orphans. They're my sons. And every single person on the street, every child on the street is not an orphan. It's a son. See, the reason why we, we, we think that people are lost is because we treat them like they're lost. Yeah. But you found them. So they're not lost. No, you didn't get it. If the world is lost, what are you doing in it? God found the world because you are in it. Every person that you meet that does not know Jesus is not lost. They found Jesus. They found Jesus. That's why I'm saying this church does not, we don't preach the word, we don't teach the word like, like normal, you know, happy-go-lucky. Although that's really good and it's very inspiring. But we preach a transformational word. You need to know your identity. If you're not, if you don't have the spirit of the son in you, then the son of God is not walking on the streets. I'm not saying you're God. But I'm saying that you're his son. Because the spirit is in you. Do you understand? Very important that you get this. Because when you walk down the street and you'll be like, oh man, you know that, that person's behavior? Oh man, he's lost. I look at that sinner. What are you doing about it? We're looking for sinners to come to church. But God said, go out. Go out into the world. John 3.16. God so loved the lost world. See, we've given them an identity that they're lost. And the more we treat them like they're lost, they'll keep losing themselves. Have you told somebody, get lost? Please don't say no. <laughs> right? Somebody told me once in Dubai. Hey, get lost, man. Actually, it was my, well, my other sister on this one. She's pastor now. <laughs> my other sister, who is in New Zealand, she said, she told me, get lost when she was in Dubai. I, f I found it very hard to respond to that. I know all the roads in Dubai. It's hard to get lost. <laughs> but you, you understand, you will come into this place only when your identity as a son is secure. I'm found. I'm found. I don't need to search anymore. I don't need to go to a club to search for fun. I don't need to go hang out anywhere in order for me to have fun. The party of heaven happens right here. Come on, man. 
Third thing. Oh, actually, before we go to the, that one, I need to tell you this. There's a perfect intimacy between the son and the father that is gifted to us. The father calls the son. Now, this is in you, okay? The father calls the son, beloved son, and the son in you calls the father, beloved father. It's perfect intimacy. If you want to, a lot of times, we, we want, you know, I want to be intimate with the Lord. Have you, have you prayed the prayer? God, I want, to, I want to be intimate. I want to know you more, God. I want to know you more. Just cancel those prayers. <laughs> if you know your sonship, your identity as a son, the spirit, the intimacy between the Godhead exists on the inside of you. You don't even have to try to be intimate. He will cause you to have that dear, beloved love, that language of intimacy with the Father. You don't have to go and worship. Father, Lord, send me the Holy Spirit. God, ask, I want to be intimate with you. Have you ever done that with your wife or your husband? <laughs> My wife would be like, what's up, man? Don't you know your rights? Don't you know your rights? Come on, man. I know my rights. Intimacy with God is your right. It's your right. The third thing, you're a joint heir with Christ. Verse 17. Actually, I'll read 16 and 17 together. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Not heirs, heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In other words, Heirs. <laughs> in Greek, it means those who receive their allotted possession by right of sonship. Are you okay to go a little deep? Because all of the worship was about this part now. You're not joint heirs, but you're joint heirs <laughs> of God. You're joint heirs with Christ. <laughs> For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall, which shall, which shall, which shall be revealed. Where? Where? So there's no glory coming from the room, from the rooftop. There's no glory coming from heaven to earth. It already did. There's a glory that is being revealed in us. Maybe some of you don't want the glory. Do you want the glory? Because I'll tell you, what the world will look for is the glory of the sun. The word glory in, in, in Hebrew is the word kabod. And what it means is it's a weighty glory. It's not just, 
I said, Chris, man, you have such a good hairstyle. It's glory. I just gave him glory. But it's not weighty to the point where he's fallen on the floor. There's a difference in the glory. But the, this is who God is. The glory of God is who God is. It is his radiance. It is, it is, it is the essence of his power is his glory. And he's saying that glory is revealed in us through sonship. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. We sang that song about the throne room, about the veil was torn. And there's nothing hidden now between him and you. But there's a glory. The veil is removed. Now, a lot of us, Jesus has removed his veil. Have you? We can be in the presence of God and God has removed the veil 2,000 years ago and he's revealing his glory but sometimes religion, sin issues, identity issues can put a veil before our eyes so that we don't see the glory of God. Are you in Hebrews chapter 1? Verse 3 says, The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. Okay? Now look, now look at me. Okay? Please listen to me. God the Father is glory. Jesus is the mirror image of his glory. Pay attention. It's very important. Jesus is the mirror of the image, which means Jesus reflects the Father. The Father reveals the glory. The Son who's seated at the right hand of the Father is reflecting the glory to all of creation. That's why you give the Father honor, the Son honor, and the Spirit honor. So the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity we sang, I believe in God our Father. Yeah. All, everything, the Holy Spirit sets up the meeting so phenomenally well. So the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're one. So if the glory of the Father is revealed, then the Son is also glorious. If the Son is glorious, then what, is a, what about the Spirit? You're getting it, you're getting it. So if the Spirit is glorious, where does He exist? Now, let me read this again to you. The Son is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. Now, let me read this as your identity. The sun, you, are the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. Oh, come on. The exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. Whew. Oh my gosh. Just imagine, just think, God the Father is, is, is just 
the Bible says there's ever-increasing glory, which means every second God is so glorious that it increases and increases. Every second, and the sun sits right next to him as a mirror image and is reflecting that glory. As the Father increases his glory, the Son's glory increases. As the Son's glory increases, guess who's on the earth increasing in glory? Now, go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of God are being transformed into his image with intensifying glory. Let me read it again. And we who with unveiled faces, which means we've removed our false identities. We've removed our previous identities. I am from Kerala. I am from India. I am from Pakistan. I am from Africa. No, 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 no. All out. And you stand before the father as a son. Oh, well, you know, I am so well accomplished in life. I have such a, I'm a CEO of my company. Just put it in your pocket for the moment. Because your CEO-ness does not impress God. Seriously, what impresses God, what attracts you to him is sonship. So in this moment, we're all the same. I know I'm standing here, but I wish I was sitting there because I would have been absolutely hammered and sloshed by the presence of God. But I want you now to just listen to this knowing that your identity is a son. And who Jesus is, is who you are. That's what you're being transformed into, the image and likeness of Jesus. That's what I started the message with. And says, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into His image with intensifying glory. So transformation needs intensifying glory. To be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, you need glory that is intensifying, which means it needs to have a source that never runs out. And guess where that comes from? Which comes from the Lord who is? So the glory in your life is linked to your identity as a son. If you want to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, you have to first remove all your identities. You have to remove what the world says about you. To stand before him. Jesus is the mirror. And you look into the mirror. Guess who you're looking at? Who are you looking at? You're looking at your sonship. You're not looking at Jesus on the cross. You're not looking at at Jesus who who is in heaven. You're looking, you're looking, (laughs) 
you're looking at yourself the minute you look into the mirror of his glory whatever you're looking at is what you become so if god is an intensifying glory which means he's ever increasing every second of the day his glory is increasing it's like the sun he's constantly radiating glory radiating light the bible says that jesus is the glory the express image of the father man just think about you we've considered ourselves too less to small compared to how god sees us the way god sees us is glorious so look at my children as god is intensifying in glory so should you be as god is intensifying in his glory the radiance of his glory should be intensifying in me in you in all of us it's the only way we can grow from glory to glory because if you had a glory all of us have come from different backgrounds and qualifications and status symbols in life you know last week I, i met a person who was a doctor pastor for the first time i met a doctor pastor it's a glory the titles that we've given them today is a glory with that glory comes an authority but the greatest title that you can have is son Understand. Understand. He did great. He did great. Sonship. Some of us in this room really had no clue about what I was saying. Don't worry about it. You'll get it. Just keep coming back. And you'll understand what I'm saying. But I want you to know if if there's one thing that you take take away <laughs> If there's one thing that you can take away from this room from this message is that God wants to make every single person in this room believe that you are sons No longer slaves cigarettes and lifestyles no longer it's just good to just stand in a place like this and feel like you're the only person in this room the 
only person that matters right now. I want to encourage you to just remove everything right now, just for the next five minutes. Just remove all plans, all status symbols, and just stand before Him as a son. And He's standing at the door of your heart and beckoning you to invite Him in. Jesus only goes where he's invited. Come on. He is more real than the air you're breathing right now. You may not comprehend everything, but his spirit will lead you. So just ask, Father, good Father, beloved Father, Abba, Abba Father restore to me the joy of my sonship I've run away I've done things that I wanted to do but today I stand before you in need of a father
I'm in my rightful place. Oh, oh. here I am, Abba. I belong to you. I'm in my rightful place. Nothing can take me away. Here I am, Abba. I belong to you. Oh, I'm like a son, the yeah. son, the real son. Transformation is happening 